You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Look with me in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 uh, through 45 as we read this together and then we'll pray. Verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is the word of the Lord. So Lord, help us. Help us. Give us discernment. Help us to see and recognize and celebrate the fruit that comes from you. Help us to be people who treasure time with you, relationship with you, that the overflow of that is this fruit. Help us to beware and to see the evil fruit, to be watchful. Teach us now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're walking through uh, the book of Luke, or at least the first part of the book of Luke in this series that we've called face-to-face encounters with Jesus. And the goal um, was to preach faithfully from the Word of God, but look at places in Scripture where Jesus is coming into contact, face-to-face encounters with other people. And we looked at Luke and said, you know what? Luke seems to be doing that, and Luke kind of gets to the point with how he chronicles what has happened. And so we've come to this section at the beginning of Luke that's known as the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching. So this face-to-face encounter is, you got a picture with me, the disciples have been brought in, he's, he's sort of teaching them, and then within earshot are other people that are hearing this. And Luke is much more succinct and he's much more direct than Matthew's uh, more detailed account about what was said on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at some of that in a minute. But so far, if this is your first time here, or if you're like me, you just need a reminder of what happened last week and the week before. So far, here's what we've noticed from Jesus' teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, this specific message. What we've noticed is that this message is countercultural, that Jesus is presenting a different kingdom, a different perspective than what we are used to and what they were used to. Things like where he says, blessed are the poor, not not the rich. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. In our mindset, in our day, it seems like we want to acknowledge blessed are those who have their own big kingdom, who get to do what they want, who have what they need, and there's no other need for anything else. No, this is referring to a poor and a poverty of the spirit. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are 
the hungry, for you shall be satisfied. He says, blessed are you who weep now, for there's coming a day that the weeping will end and laughter and joy will be all you know. Blessed are you when others revile you or hate you because of me. There's coming a day where you will be honored and celebrated because of me. And in Luke's portion, he goes on and he says not only the blessings, but he Mention some woes. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are fully satisfied. Woe to you who are laughing and chilling out now and and just sort of coasting through life now. Uh, There's coming a day where that's going to stop. And then he talks about how to preach this sermon of love your enemies. Don't hate them. Don't seek revenge against them. Pray for them. Love them. And then last week we looked at the the passage that's really connected to this week's passage. Don't judge. Don't condemn. Instead, be a giving person. Give mercy. Give grace. Forgive others. Don't point out the small amount of dirt in other people's eyes when you've got a barrel full of dirt in your lives. Don't look at the specks that they have in their eyes when you've got a log coming out of your eye. Instead, look and deal with your own dirt first. That was last week. You might have avoided community group last week. As we talked about, I know our community group it was really sweet as we kind of wrestled with, okay, what is, what is the idea of how do, we, how do we not be judgmental but be wise in seeing what is good and what is not good and what this means? It was really neat and beautiful to unpack. In the face-and-face encounters with his disciples, Jesus is teaching his disciples, but he's also warning them. And as he teaches them, he warns them, and he calls out others that he refers to in last week's passage as hypocrites. And so we come to this text in Luke 6, where he, he talks about good fruit and bad fruit. And this is where I want us to go back and look at Matthew's account here. In Matthew's account, he, at this part of the sermon, Matthew records sort of the same thing, but he adds a little language to it that I think is important for us. So we looked at Luke's text, and I'll look, look at Matthew's ch- text in Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 15. Here's how Matthew records this part of Jesus' teaching. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Or figs from thorn bushes? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And listen to this next part. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So, there's a clear message, whether it's from Luke's recording or Matthew's recording here, that Jesus is concerned about his disciples making sure they're entering in the narrow gate, the straight gate, and he sort of does it in two ways. He says, one, beware. Beware, watch out for, look for, beware of fake leaders. And then, with sort of the imperatives, we are to notice the fruit. Not only beware of them, but check your own heart. Let's look at them one at a time. Beware of the false teachers, the false prophets. They look like sheep. They look like someone who's zealous for your good. They look like somebody who's writing or preaching or leading to help you have more pleasure or more joy in your life. But instead, they are wolves. And not just wolves, they are ravenous. Wolves. The word ravenous there is the word used for like a robber or a thief. They disguise themselves to be like you so they can connect with you so they can take from you. It's what a ravenous wolf is doing in sheep's clothing. Like, let me connect with them. Let me sort of throw out this connection in a way that they can trust me. And I can bring them in, bring them in so I can milk them and take from them and promote my own ministry. Or Jesus is saying, beware of them. Watch out for them. But how? I mean, if they're disguised like one of us, they talk like one of us, they teach like one of us, they write in ways that entice us and they promote the things that maybe we would want them to promote and say and do, how is it that we are to watch out for them? Well, that's this illustration that Jesus has given us here. In order to communicate what we should be doing and how we should be watching out for these takers, these Wolves in sheep's clothing, he presents a pretty clear illustration, looking at it back in Luke. No good tree bears bad fruit. Or again, does a bad tree bear good fruit? For each tree is known by its fruit. Pretty clear, right? Figs are not gathered from the bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. Evil person out of the evil of Treasure produces evil. And from out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Do we need to translate this? Do we need to explain it more? I mean, figs don't come from thorn bushes. They don't come from apple trees. They don't come from banana trees. Figs come from... Hey, good, we got it. We're all on the same page. If you want a fig, don't go to H-E-B in the cookie aisle. You know where I'm going? Anybody else like Fig Newtons growing up? Okay. No, figs are a real thing. You don't go there. You go and hang out with fig trees. You don't go hang out next to a thorn bush and say, okay, any day, 
Figs are coming. You don't plant an apple tree and invite people over and say, i got to show you this tree. One day, figs are coming. They're going to look at you like, how, what? You plant an apple tree? Why do you think figs are coming? Like, that's the common sense stuff that Jesus is saying here about leadership who are wearing sheep's clothing. If you want good figs, don't just go to any fig tree. Go to a healthy fig tree. Go to the good fig tree. Go to the healthy fig tree. Just as figs don't come from apple trees, figs also don't come from dead fig trees. You tracking with me with the illustration? Like, Jason, we get it. You know, no, there's more. Even though they might classify as a fig tree, if they were a diseased fig tree, if they're a broken down, not doing the work of the fig tree, it's not going to give you figs. You're not getting figs from a dead fig tree. Is that all about figs, Jason? Can we move on to something else? No. There's this other place in Mark that it's this weird, what seems like out-of-context place in Mark chapter 11 where Jesus once again is talking about a fig tree. This is right after the triumphal entry. They have been traveling. Uh, they, people have just laid down their garments and, and these, these palm tree branches and saying, blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. And he comes in verse, we have in verse 12 here in Mark 11. And it says this, on the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance, there it is, A fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. You think you're hangry? Jesus cursed this fig tree. It's not because he's hangry. There's a lot going on here. See, in the Holy Land, in this area, they're they're known to have many, many varieties of figs. The vast majority of those fig trees bear fruit in a particular season. There is such a season as fig season. I'm sure all of you Fig farmers out there know that already, but there is a particular season that is known as fig growing, fig producing season. There are a few varieties of fig trees that bear their figs outside of season. And this is one of those trees. These trees that bear their fruit outside of fig season, they're known to be a delicacy, special. Jesus saw from a distance a fig outside of fig season, and he saw it, and he said, this is one of those trees. This is a tree that's in leaf, and usually if you see a fig tree in leaf, you would think there would be figs. Yeah, you're really tracking with us this morning. On this occasion when Jesus saw that from a distance he could see the leaves on the fig tree, 
In Palestine, the presence of figs and the presence of leaves meant there were figs. So our Lord said, here's one of those special fig trees. This is one of those unusual special varieties of figs that we're going to partake of. He walks over and he noticed, oh, there's leaves, but there's no figs. The tree was a hypocrite. The tree gave the outward signs of having a special kind of delicacy, a special kind of fig, the special kind of fruit. But being a fake or diseased or dead fig tree, it had no fruit. So Jesus used that prophetic object lesson to describe not only Fig trees, but what happens to the hypocrite who looks like something, but they're not. It's not about him being hangry. It's about him pointing to, this is like one of those ravenous wolves who you see leaf from far off, and you're like, wow, man, they're a game changer. This person's writing this book, and this person's doing this, and nobody's ever done it like that before, and this is the way we got to go. We got to go. We got to check it out and look at the leaves. No figs. There will be those people that seem to display some sort of a variety and delicacy to the Christian walk. It happens all the time. It's not new. It's been happening since Jesus was doing this. We get all excited. We get all worked up. Have you read the newest version of this? Have you read this book? Have you followed this person? Have you listened to this talk? Have you seen that this person's connecting this message with our culture now and, and it's all modernized and it's all good and this is a beautiful message? People get into it and they discover nice leaves, no fix. Just flashy leaves. Once again, we fell for. It's a mirage. It's a fig mirage. We're looking for this delicacy out there, and we're like, ah, there's one. Let's lead everybody there. Let's buy everybody this book. Let's point them all to this website. And you're like, oh, they used us. They took from us. Just as good fruit comes from good trees, godly character comes from godly people. Ungodly people will eventually produce a type of character that leads us away from God, not toward God. It might look like good fruit for a little while, from a distance, but the closer you get, what you'll see is eventually, and we're going to look at this passage in a few weeks, storms will come and we'll notice that's not godly fruit. In verse 45, we see this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart, we'll look at that in just a second, will produce good. It's pretty simple. It's common sense. It's a Common sense illustration, right? Go get the good fruit from the good tree. Go get good leadership, good counsel, good shepherding from real followers of Christ. Now, this should stir us to ask the question for all of us 
who may not be fig farmers, fig people, how do we know what is just leaf and what is fruit? How do we know it if it's a pretty leafy plant that's checking all the boxes of what really connects with me? How do we know? Ah, aren't you glad we have the whole council of Scripture? And Paul, man, that encouraged me to hear you all do that. That was great. In Paul, I mean in Galatians, Paul writes to the church of Galatia, telling them, warning them, reminding them about following good counsel, biblical counsel. We get to this section in chapter 5. This isn't going to be a study of everything that we're about to read here. It's just a reminder of what it looks like and what we're looking for. For many of you, this will be very familiar. For all of our Grace kids, it should be very familiar because we have it posted up in our rooms over there. What is it? What does good fruit look like? What does bad fruit look like? Chapter 5, verse 19. Here we go. There's a lot here, but I'm just going to read it, talk about it. Not much at all, but here we go. Now, the works of the flesh, natural, who we are, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law, which is a weighty statement. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. What does good fruit look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruits of the flesh, the list of natural cravings, the natural things that overflow from a life that's detached from God, what do those leaves look like? Those leaves look like someone who's constantly holding on to strife and enmity, some sort of sexual immorality, some sort of sensuality, some other thing to idolize, to be jealous of or envious of. A constant pursuit of sexual immorality or drunkenness and things like these. If you were with us last week, I would say this would be a list of logs in the eyes. These specks, these planks of those who are not redeemed. So, what the ravenous wolves will do to cover those things up. They're going to put on 
sort of the idea of what they think a loving, joyful person would look like. Uh, 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 they're going to put on words that look patient and look kind. They're going to pretend. You ever been on a visit of a new house or watch shows where they're looking at new houses and or maybe if I should be so um, risky to embarrass you, maybe in your own house you have on the middle of your table that bowl of plastic fruit. Maybe in the moment you bought it, good deal, $5 on this cornucopia of really, it's fall. I'm going to, I mean, everybody else putting the real pumpkins out and then they do this. I'm going to put out this fake stuff and okay, whatever, decoration. The ravenous people bring people in and they offer that up to eat. Only it's not real. And they know it's not real. The false prophet and teacher give the appearance of everything that we can maybe want and desire. They seem nice, charismatic. She seemed enlightened and whimsical and pleasant. They will seem to have the convictions of Christ, but, and maybe it's disguised with a lot of talk about justice or mercy and what's unfair, we're going to make things right and, and all this kind of stuff, but in reality, this person is displaying plastic fruit. They're not disciples. They're not denying themselves, taking up their cross and following Christ. To those people, we go back to that passage in Matthew 7 where it says, they may be saying, Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, we're doing all of this. And he's going to say to them, depart from me. I don't know you. We should notice that Jesus isn't warning his disciples to look for the things that we tend to look for. Does that make sense? He's, he's warning his disciples. He, he's not warning them to look for somebody who's got a good stage presence. He doesn't say, watch out for the one who can't speak good. He's not saying, watch out for the one who uses his notes and keeps looking down. He's not saying, watch out for the one who doesn't use notes. He's not saying, watch out for the one who only uses smoke or doesn't use a smoke or sings your songs or doesn't sing your songs or the temperature is set. He doesn't say any of that. He says, watch out for the wolves in sheep's clothing. Look for the fruit. What's there? Beware of the one who shows bad fruit or doesn't show good fruit. So one point Jesus is making, you probably got it from the first five minutes that we were looking at it. Bad fruit comes from bad trees. The fruit you want doesn't come from dead trees. But he also says to them, in a way, check your own heart. Combining this passage with the text before it, we see that Jesus is teaching his disciples the type of people they ought to be. As he's warning them, beware of them, beware of them, watch out for them, the message is sinking into his people. You be different. You follow me. Yes, we are to watch out for the wolves. We are to 
avoid the blind leaders leading the blind. We are to avoid the ones constantly pointing out the planks and the logs in our eyes. But as disciples of Jesus, at some point in our week, we need to draw a circle around ourselves and say, God, magnify everything in that circle. That's out of step with you. Do you do that? Do you, do you stop going to the internet and blaming everybody else and laughing and doing all? Is there ever a time in your day where you just stop and say, Lord, am I the tree that I need to be? Is there fruit here? How are we to do this? Well, it's easy. Go be a good tree. Actually, this golden invitation, this amazing opportunity that we have, we see Jesus refer to it in verse 45. See if you catch it with me. A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. You see it? The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. I think it's important for us to understand what is meant by good treasure. In this word, good treasure, it's the word thesaurus or thesaurus. It's where we get our word thesaurus, which we know what a thesaurus is, right? A collection and treasury of the human language, of the things that are good, the things that are to be spoken, the things that we could use to communicate. It's a storage place. A, a thesaurus is a, a storage place of a collection of words to use. Jesus says here that there is this thesaurus in us, a place in which we store things, we treasure things. Within us, he uses the reference to the heart here. It's the place where good and precious things, like a thesaurus that we use for English, is used to store up that we use for life. What is in your thesaurus? What's in your thesaurus of your soul, in your heart, this treasury of your heart? Are you storing up love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control? Are you storing up and following things where you are feeding off of strife and dissensions and all the things that are fruits of the flesh? What are you feasting on? What are you treasuring? What is your daily input in your thesaurus? What are you habitually collecting? How am I to collect this good stuff? How am I to get the good stuff? Am I to, how am I to treasure on the good stuff? I mean, that would be the question. Right? If there's beauty and there's, I mean, look at all these words. Love, joy, peace, kind, like, wow, those are all the beautiful things. How do I get that? How do I feast on that? How do I know And I'm storing that in me? I don't want to just show the leafy part of God. I don't want that fruit in me. What's missing? It says here. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. Problem. Paul points out what we see all throughout the Old Testament. There is no one good. 
Not one. There is only one who is good. There's only one who gives life. There's only one who promises to replace this heart of stone, this treasury that's locked in its only flesh. There's only one that's promised to unlock that, change that, and give it life. The psalmist writes about God in your presence, its fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through him. Put those two together. There's a place where I can obtain the fullness of God. There's a place where at the where I can have all of these pleasures, love, joy, peace, kind, I can have all of that forevermore just poured into me? Yes, it's at the right hand of the Father. How do I get there? Jesus says, you come through me. I have come so that you may have this life. There's no one good that Jesus came for us anyway. We want to treasure the good stuff. We want to display the good stuff. We want to live out the good stuff. Well, if we're not good, what we're really saying is we want to display God. We want to be, because he is love, he is just, he is kind, he is generous, he is practice self-control, he is generous. All of the fruits of the Spirit are descriptions of our God. He's the treasure. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart. The good person out of the godly heart produces these things. John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, this is one of those places he didn't use the word fig. <laughs> Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it... Uh, that abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You take all of this together, what he's saying, my dear friends, in all of life, there are those people who look like they belong to me, who talk like they belong to me, but there's no fruit that shows that they belong to me. They don't belong to me. They don't seek me. They're not abiding in me. They prefer to be detached from me. So there's coming a day where they will be eternally detached from me. But there is this opportunity for you and for me and for his disciples to come and behold the majestic promises and the majestic, sorry, presence of the living God daily and be in his presence and abide through Christ in him and just say, Lord, 
I'm seeking you. Fill me up. Change me. Make me new. I want to take off the old clothes. Give me the new clothes of Christ because I want all of my heart to be treasuring what is good in you. So I invite you this morning to empty out your own, your, your old thesauros. Take all of that collection. If you haven't done it, what you've been storing up. This is not to shame you. This is the invitation to free you. Take that collection and just let it go. When we read the fruits of the flesh, was there one that you said, that, that's me. That, that's what I live for. That's what I've been defined as. People would know me as this person. I invite you to become poor in spirit and come emptying that out and saying, Lord, I'm coming to you. You fill me up. Jesus Christ came to die for your sins. Every one of those things that you want to let go of, every one of those things that you're dumping out, he came, he died for those. For those who come to him, he welcomes. And he says, this sacrifice is for you. You couldn't pay it. You couldn't redeem yourself. You can't make yourself good. The invitation is to come to him. So let's let go of our thorny bushes and let's let go of all of that stuff we've been clinging to and let's let go of all of that stuff that it's producing and come to Jesus today. Follow him every day. Get into his presence every day. Maybe you can start with something so cheesy, but this helps stuff. This stuff like this helps me. Buy you one of those little weird plants that people like nowadays. You know those little weird ones that, what are they called? Yeah, yeah. Sorry if you sell succulents. I didn't mean to offend you. But, or buy something and just let it be a reminder every day, Lord. I don't want to be leafy. I want to bear fruit. And let that be a reminder for you to come into the presence of the Lord. We have groups that can help you. We have resources that can help you. We have a booklet called Growing Together, which is helping you get in God's word and memorize God's word and how to pray. We're here for you. That's what the church is here to help you do, is to equip you in this way. So if we could sum up these things as we close, watch out for the wolves in sheep's clothing, the blind teachers, the Mirage fig trees. And feast on filling up the thesaurus of your own heart. The only way that you can truly be filled. By feasting on God. Holy Lord, may you, in a very real way, Be the treasure of our hearts. May you, O oh God, who is, whether we are fully aware of it or not, you are the good treasure. Jesus, you are the majestic king. You are my savior. And I pray 
that in this room, we who know that already, who believe that, would once again celebrate that truth. And for those who are here, Lord, who want to empty out their old treasure chest, oh God, I pray that they would trust you to fill it and to change them and to give them life abundantly. We pray all this in the name of Jesus and for the fame of Jesus.